0: Section Five of Poems on Various Subjects. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Poems on Various Subjects, Religious and Moral, by Phyllis Wheatley. Ode to Neptune, on Mrs. W.'s Voyage to England. One, while raging tempests shake the shore. While Elis thunders round us roar, And sweep impetuous o'er the plain, Be still, O tyrant of the main! Nor let thy brow contracted frowns betray, While my Susanna skims the watery way. Two. The power propitious hears the lay, The blue-eyed daughters of the sea With sweeter cadence glide along, and Thames responsive joins the song pleased with their notes sol sheds benign his ray and double radiance decks the face of day 3 to court thee to britannia's arms serene the climes and mild the sky her region boasts unnumbered charms thy welcome smiles in every eye thy promise neptune keep Record my prayer, not give my wishes to the empty air. Boston, October twelfth, 1772 To a lady on her coming to North America with her son for the recovery of her health. Indulgent muse, my grovelling mind inspire, and fill my bosom with celestial fire. See from Jamaica's fervid shore she moves, like the fair mother of the blooming loves, when from above the goddess with her hand fans the soft breeze and lights upon the land. Thus she, on Neptune's watery realm reclined, appeared and thus invites the lingering wind. Arise ye winds, America, explore, waft me ye gales from this malignant shore. The northern milder climes I long to greet. There hope that health will my arrival meet. Soon as she spoke, in my ideal view, The winds assented and the vessel flew. Madam, your spouse bereft of wife and son, In the grove's dark recesses pours his moan. Each branch, wide-spreading to the ambient sky, Forgets its verdure and submits to die. From thence I turn and leave the sultry plain, And swift pursue thy passage o'er the main. The ship arrives before the favouring wind, And makes the Philadelphian port assign Thence I attend you to Bostonians' arms, Where generous friendship every bosom warms. Thrice welcome here, may health revive again, Bloom on thy cheek, and bound in every vein then back return to gladden every heart, and give your spouse his soul's far dearer part. Received again, with what a sweet surprise, the tear in transport starting from his eyes, while his attendant son, with blooming grace, springs to his father's ever-dear embrace. With shouts of joy Jamaica's rocks resound, with shouts of joy the country rings around. TO A LADY ON HER REMARKABLE PRESERVATION IN A HURRICANE IN NORTH CAROLINA. Though thou didst hear the tempest from afar, and felt the horrors of the watery war, to me unknown, yet on this peaceful shore methinks I hear the storm-tumultuous roar, and how stern Boreas with impetuous hand compelled the Nereids to usurp the land. Reluctant rose the daughters of the main, And slow ascending glided o'er the plain, Till Aeolus in his rapid chariot drove In gloomy grandeur from the vault above. Furious he comes. His winged sons obey their frantic sire, And madden all the sea. The billows rave, the wind's fierce tyrant roars, And with his thundering terrors shakes the shores. Broken by waves the vessel's frame is rent, and strows with planks the watery element. But thee, Maria, a kind neared shield preserved from sinking, and thy form upheld, sure some heavenly oracle designed at that dread crisis to instruct thy mind things of eternal consequence to weigh, and to thine heart just feelings to convey of things above, and of the future doom, and what the births of the dread world to come. From tossing seas I welcome thee to land. Resign her near it, was thy God's command. Thy spouse, late buried, as thy fears conceived, Again returns, thy fears are all relieved. Thy daughter, blooming with superior grace, Again thou seest, again thine arms embrace. O come, and joyful show thy spouse his heir, And what the blessings of maternal care! To a lady and her children on the death of her son and their brother O'erwhelming sorrow now demands my song, from death the overwhelming sorrow sprung What flowing tears, what hearts with grief oppressed, what sighs on sighs heave the fond parent's breast The brother weeps, the hapless sisters join the increasing woe and swell the crystal brine the poor, who once his generous bounty fed, droop, and bewail their benefactor dead. In death the friend, the kind companion lies, and in one death what various comfort dies? The unhappy mother sees the sanguine rill forget to flow, and nature's wheels stand still. But see from earth his spirit far removed, and know no griefs recalls your best beloved. He, upon pinions swifter than the wind, Has left mortality's sad scenes behind, For joys to this terrestrial state unknown, And glories richer than the monarch's crown. Of virtue's steady course the prize behold, What blissful wonders to his mind unfold! But of celestial joys I sing in vain, Attempt not, muse, the too adventurous strain, No more in briny showers, ye friends, around, Or bathe his clay, or waste them on the ground. Still do you weep, still wish for his return? How cruel thus to wish, and thus to mourn! No more for him the streams of sorrow pour, But haste to join him on the heavenly shore, On harps of gold to tune immortal lays, And to your God immortal anthems raise to a gentleman and lady on the death of the lady's brother and sister, and a child of the name of Avis, aged one year. On death's domain intent I fix my eyes, where human nature in vast ruin lies. With pensive mind I search the drear abode where the great conqueror has his spoils bestowed. There. There the offspring of six thousand years In endless numbers to my view appears. Whole kingdoms in his gloomy den are thrust, And nations mix with their primeval dust. Insatiate still he gluts the ample tomb. His is the present, his the age to come. See here a brother, here a sister spread, And a sweet daughter mingled with the dead. But, madam, let your grief be laid aside, And let the fountain of your tears be dried. In vain they flow to wet the dusty plain, Your sighs are wafted to the skies in vain. Your pains they witness, but they can no more, While death reigns tyrant o'er this mortal shore. The glowing stars and silver queen of light At last must perish in the gloom of night, Resign thy friends to that almighty hand, Which gave them life, and bow to his command. Thine avis give without a murmuring heart, Though half thy soul be fated to depart. To shining guards consign thine infant care, To waft triumphant through the seas of air. Her soul enlarged to heavenly pleasure springs, She feeds on truth and uncreated things, Methinks I hear her in the realms above, and, leaning forward with a filial love, invite you there to share immortal bliss unknown, untasted in a state like this. With towering hopes and growing grace arise, and seek beatitude beyond the skies. On the death of Dr. Samuel Marshall Through thickest glooms look back, immortal shade, On that confusion which thy death has made. Or from Olympus height look down and see A town involved in grief bereft of thee. Thy Lucy sees thee mingle with the dead, And rends the graceful tresses from her head. Wild in her woe, with grief unknown oppressed, Sigh follows sigh deep heaving from her breast. Too quickly fled. Ah, whither art thou gone? Ah, lost for ever to thy wife and son! The hapless child, thine only hope and heir, clings round his mother's neck and weeps his sorrows there. The loss of thee on Tyler's soul returns, and Boston for her dear physician mourns. When sickness called for Marshall's healing hand, with what compassion did his soul expand? In him we found the father and the friend. In life how loved, how honoured in his end. And must not then our Aesculapius stay To bring his lingering infant into day? The babe unborn in the dark womb is lost, And seems in anguish for its father lost. Gone is Apollo from his house of earth, But leaves the sweet memorials of his worth. The common parent, whom we all deplore, From yonder world unseen must come no more, Yet midst our woes immortal hopes attend The spouse, the sire, the universal friend. To a gentleman on his voyage to Great Britain For the recovery of his health While others chant of gay Elysian scenes, Of balmy zephyrs and of flowery plains, My song more happy speaks a greater name, Feels higher motives, and a nobler flame, For thee, O R, the muse attunes her strings, And mounts sublime above inferior things. I sing not now of green embowering woods, I sing not now the daughters of the floods, I sing not of the storms o'er ocean driven, And how they howled along the waste of heaven, But I to R would paint the British shore, And vast Atlantic, not untried before. Thy life impaired commands thee to rise, leave these bleak regions and inclement skies, Where chilling winds return the winter past, And nature shudders at the furious blast. O oh, thou stupendous, earth-enclosing main, exert thy wonders to the world again. If eer thy power prolonged the flating breath, turned back the shafts and mocked the gates of death, if e'er thine heir dispensed in healing power, or snatched the victim from the fatal hour. This equal case demands thine equal care, and equal wonders may this patient share. But unavailing, frantic is the dream to hope thine aid without the aid of him who gave thee birth and taught thee where to flow, and in thy waves his various blessings show. May R. return to view his native shore, replete with vigour not his own before. Then shall we see with pleasure and surprise, and own thy work, great ruler of the skies. To the Rev. Dr. Thomas Amory, on reading his sermons on daily devotion, in which that duty is recommended and assisted. To cultivate in every noble mind habitual grace And sentiments refined, thus while you strive To mend the human heart, thus while the heavenly Precepts you impart, O may each bosom catch the sacred Fire, and youthful mind to virtue's throne aspire. When in God's eternal ways you set in sight, And virtue shines in all her native light, In vain would vice her works in night conceal, For wisdom's eye pervades the sable veil. Artists may paint the sun's effulgent rays, But Amory's pen the brighter God displays. While his great works in Amory's pages shine, And while he proves his essence all-divine, The atheist sure no morn can boast aloud Of chance or nature and exclude the God as if the clay without the potter's aid should rise in various forms and shapes self-made, or worlds above with orb or orb profound self-moved could run the everlasting round. It cannot be. Unerring wisdom guides with eye propitious and o'er all presides. Still prosper, Amory, still may'st thou receive the warmest blessings which a muse can give. And when this transitory state is o'er, When kingdoms fall and fleeting fames no more, May Amory triumph in immortal fame, A nobler title and superior name. ON THE DEATH OF J.C. AN INFANT No more the flowery scenes of pleasure rife, Nor charming prospects greet the mental eyes, No more with joy we view that lovely face, Smiling, disportive, Flushed with every grace. The tear of sorrow flows from every eye. Groans answer groans, and sighs to sighs reply. What sudden pang shot through each aching heart, When death thy messenger dispatched his dart? Thy dread attendants, all-destroying power, Hurried the infant to his mortal hour. Couldst thou unpitying close those radiant eyes? Or fail his artless beauties to surprise? Could not his innocence thy stroke control, Thy purpose shake, and soften all thy soul? The blooming babe, with shades of death o'erspread, No more shall smile, no more shall raise its head, But like a branch that from the tree is torn Falls prostrate, withered, languid, and forlorn. Where flies my James? Tis thus I seem to hear the parent ask, Some angel tell me where he wings his passage through the yielding air. Methinks a cherub, bending from the skies, observes the question, and serene replies, In heaven's high palaces your babe appears. Prepare to meet him and dismiss your tears. Shall not the intelligence your grief restrain, and turn the mournful to the cheerful strain? Cease your complaints. Suspend each rising sigh, cease to accuse the ruler of the sky. Parents no more indulge the falling tear, let faith to heaven's refulgent domes repair. There see your infant like a seraph glow, what charm celestial in his numbers flow, melodious, while the foul enchanting strain dwells on his tongue and fills the ethereal plain. Enough! For ever cease your murmuring breath. Not as a foe, but friend, converse with death. Since to the port of happiness unknown He brought that treasure which you call your own. The gift of heaven entrusted to your hand Cheerful resign at the divine command. Not at your bar must sovereign wisdom stand. An Hymn to Humanity To S.P.G. Esquire 1. Lo! for this dark terrestrial ball forsakes his azure paved hall, A prince of heavenly birth! Divine humanity behold! What wonders rise, what charms unfold at his descent to earth! Two, The bosoms of the great and good with wonder and delight he viewed, And fix'd his empire there. Him, close compressing to his breast, The sire of gods and men address My son, my heavenly fair. 3. Descend to earth, there place thy throne, To succour man's afflicted son Each human heart inspire, to act in bounties unconfined, Enlarge the close contracted mind, and fill it with thy fire. 4. Quick is the word, with swift career He wings his course from star to star, And leaves the bright abode. The virtue did his charms impart, their God, Then thy raptured heart perceived the rushing God. V. For when thy pitying eye did see the languid muse in low degree, Then, then at thy desire descended the celestial nine, or me, methought, they deigned to shine, And deigned to string my lyre. Six, Can Afric's muse forgetful prove? Or can such friendship fail to move a tender human heart? Immortal friendship laurel-crowned, The smiling graces all surround With every heavenly art. To the Honourable T. H. Esquire On the death of his daughter While deep you mourn beneath the cypress shade The hand of death and your dear daughter laid in dust Whose absence gives your tears to flow, And racks your bosom with incessant woe. Let recollection take a tender part, Assuage the raging tortures of your heart, Still the wild tempest of tumultuous grief, And pour the heavenly nectar of relief. Suspend the sigh, dear sir, and check the groan, Divinely bright your daughter's virtue How free from scornful pride her gentle mind, Which ne'er its aid to indigence declined! Expanding free, it sought the means to prove Unfailing charity, unbounded love. She reluctant flies to see no more Her dear-loved parents on earth's dusky shore. Impatient heaven's resplendent goal to gain, She with swift progress cuts the azure plain. Where grief subsides, where changes are no more, and life's tumultuous billows cease to roar. She leaves her earthly mansion for the skies, where new creations feast her wondering eyes. To heaven's high mandate cheerfully resigned she mounts, and leaves the rolling globe behind. She who late wished that Leonard might return, has ceased to languish, and forgot to mourn. To the same high imperial mansions come, she joins her spouse, and smiles upon the tomb. And thus I hear her from the realms above, Lo, this the kingdom of celestial love! Could ye, fond parents, see our present bliss? How soon would you each sigh, each fear, dismiss? Amidst unuttered pleasures, whilst I play In the fair sunshine of celestial day, As far as grief affects an happy soul, So far doth grief my better mind control. To see on earth my aged parents mourn, And secret wish for tea to return. Let brighter scenes your evening hours employ, Converse with heaven, and taste the promised joy." Niobe in distress for her children slain by Apollo from Ovid's Metamorphosis, Book VI. And from a view of the painting of Mr. Richard Wilson Apollo's wrath to man the dreadful spring Of ill's numerous, tuneful goddess sing. Thou who didst first the ideal pencil give, And ought the painter and his works to live, Inspire with glowing energy of thought What Wilson painted, and what Ovid wrote. Muse, lend thine aid, Nor let me sue in vain Though last and meanest of the rhyming train, O guide my pen in lofty strains To show the Phrygian queen All beautiful in woe. T'was where Meonius spreads her wide domain, Niobe dwelt, and held her potent reign. See in her hand the regal sceptre shine, The wealthy heir of Tantalus divine, Her most distinguished by Dodinian Jove To approach the tables of the gods above, Her grandsire Atlas, with mighty pains the ethereal axis on his neck sustains. Her other grandsire on the throne on high rolls the loud pealing thunder through the sky. Her spouse Amphion, who from Jove too springs, divinely taught to sweep the sounding strings. Seven sprightly sons the royal bed adorn, seven daughters beauteous as the opening morn, as when Aurora fills the ravished sight and decks the orient realms with rosy light, from their bright eyes the living splendors play, Nor can beholders bear the flashing ray. Wherever, Niobe, thou turn'st thine eyes, New beauties kindle and new joys arise. But thou hadst far the happier mother proved, If this fair offspring had been less beloved. What if their charms exceed Aurora's taint? No words could tell them, and no pencil paint, Thy love too vehement hastens to destroy each blooming maid, and each celestial boy. Now Manto comes, endued with mighty skill, the past to explore, the future to reveal. Through Thebes' wide streets Tiresia's daughter came, divine Latona's mandate to proclaim. The Theban maids to hear the orders ran, when thus Meonius' prophetess began. Go, Thebans! Great Latona's will obey, and pious tribute at her altars pay. With rites divine the goddess be implored, nor be her sacred offspring unadored. Thus Manto spoke. The Theban maids obey, and pious tribute to the goddess pay. The rich perfumes ascend in waving spires, the altars blaze with consecrated fires. The fair assembly moves with graceful air, and leaves of laurel bind the flowing hair. Niobe comes with all her royal race, with charms unnumbered and superior grace. Her Phrygian garments of delightful hue inwove with gold refulgent to the view. Beyond description beautiful she moves, like heavenly Venus, midst her smiles and loves. She views around the supplicating train and shakes her graceful head with stern disdain. Proudly she turns around her lofty eyes. And thus reviles celestial deities. What madness drives the Theban ladies fair To give their incense to surrounding air? Say why this new-sprung deity preferred, Why vainly fancy your petitions heard? Or say why Caius' offspring is obey'd, While to my goddess-ship no tributes paid? For me no altars blaze with living fires, No bullock bleeds, no frankincense transpires, though Cadmus' palace, not unknown to fame, and Phrygian nations all revere my name. Where I turn my eyes, vast wealth I find. Lo, here an empress with a goddess join'd. What, shall a titaness be deified, to whom the spacious earth a couch denied? Nor heaven, nor earth, nor sea, received your queen, till pitying Delos took the wanderer in. Round me what a large progeny is spread. No frowns of fortune has my soul to dread. What if indignant she decrease my train more than Latona's number will remain? Then hence, ye Theban dames, hence haste away, No longer offerings to Latona pay. Regard the orders of Amphion's spouse, And take the leaves of laurel from your brows. Niobe spoke. The Theban maids obeyed, their brows unbound, And left the rites unpaid. The angry goddess heard. Then silence broke on Cynthus summit, and indignant spoke, Phoebus, behold, thy mother in disgrace, who to no goddess yields the prior place except to Juno's self who reigns above, the spouse and sister of the thundering Jove. Niobe, sprung from Tantalus, inspires each Theban bosom with rebellious fires. No reason her imperious temper quells, but all her father in her tongue rebels. Wrap her own sons for her blaspheming breath. Apollo, wrap them in the shades of death. Latona ceased, and ardent thus replies the God whose glory decks th' expanded skies. Cease thy complaints. Mine be the task assigned to punish pride and scourge the rebel mind. This Phoebe joined. They wing their instant flight. Thebes trembled as the mortal powers alight. With clouds encompassed glorious Phoebus stands, the feathered vengeance quivering in his hands. Near Cadmus' walls a plain extended lay, where Thebes' young princes passed in sport the day. There the bold coursers bounded o'er the plains, while their great masters held the golden reins. Ismenus first the racing pastime led, and ruled the fury of his flying steed. Ah, me! He sudden cries, with shrieking breath, while in his breast he feels the shaft of death. He drops the bridle on his courser's mane, before his eyes in shadow swims the plain. He the first-born of great Amphion's bed was struck the first, first mingled with the dead. Then didst thou, Sipolis, the language hear of fate portentous whistling in the air, as when th' impending storm the sailor sees he spreads his canvas to the favouring breeze, So to thine horse thou gav'st the golden reins, gav'st him to rush impetuous o'er the plains. But ah! a fatal shaft from Phoebus' hand smites through thy neck, and sinks thee on the sand. Two other brothers were at wrestling found, and in their pastime clasped each other round. A shaft that instant from Apollo's hand transfixed them both, and stretched them on the sand. Together they their cruel fate bemoaned, Together languished and together groaned. Together too th'unbodied bodied spirits fled, and sought the gloomy mansions of the dead. Alfiner saw, and trembling at the view, beat his torn breast that changed its snowy hue. He flies to raise them in a kind embrace, a brother's fondness triumphs in his face. Alphenor fails in this fraternal deed, a dart dispatched him so the fates decreed. Soon as the arrow left the deadly wound, his issuing entrails smoked upon the ground. What woes on blooming damascian weight! His sighs portend his near impending fate! Just where the well-made leg begins to be, and the soft sinews form the supple knee, the youth sore wounded by the Dalian god attempts to extract the crime-avenging rod. But whilst he strives the will of fate to vert, Divine Apollo sends a second dart. Swift through his throat the feathered mischief flies, bereft of sense he drops his head, and dies. Young Ileonius, the last, directs his prayer, and cries, My life ye gods celestial spare. Apollo heard, and pity touched his heart, but ah, too late, for he had sent the dart. Thou too, O Ileonius, art doomed to fall, The fates refuse that arrow to recall. On the swift wings of ever-flying fame To Cadmus' palace soon the tidings came. Niobe heard and with indignant eyes She thus expressed her anger and surprise. Why is such privilege to them allowed? Why thus insulted by the Dalian god? Dwells there such mischief in the powers above? Why sleeps the vengeance of a mortal Jove? for now Amphion too, with grief oppressed, had plunged the deadly dagger in his breast. Niobe now less haughty than before, with lofty head directs her steps no more. She who late told her pedigree divine, and drove the Thebans from Latona's shrine, how strangely changed! Yet beautiful in woe, she weeps, nor weeps unpitied by the foe. On each pale course the wretched mother spread, lay overwhelmed with grief, and kissed her dead. Then raised her arms, and thus in accent slow. Be sated, cruel goddess, with my woe! If I've offended, let these streaming eyes, And let this sevenfold funeral suffice. Ah, take this wretched life you deigned to save, With them I too am carried to the grave. Rejoice, triumphant, my victorious foe, But show the cause from whence your triumphs flow. Though I unhappy mourn these children slain, Yet greater numbers to my lot remain. She ceased, the bowstring string twanged with awful sound, Which struck with terror all the assembly round, Except the queen, who stood unmoved alone, By her distresses more presumptuous grown. Near the pale courses stood their sisters fair, In sable vestures and dishevelled hair. One, while she draws the fatal shaft away, Fates, falls, and sickens at the light of day. To soothe her mother, lo, another flies, And blames the fury of inclement skies. And while her words of filial pity show, Struck dumb, indignant, seeks the shades below. Now from the fatal place another flies, Falls in her flight and languishes and dies. Another on her sister drops in death, A fifth in trembling terrors yields her breath, While the sixth seeks some gloomy cave in vain, Struck with the rest and mingled with the slain. Only one daughter lives, and she the least. The queen close clasped the daughter to her breast. "'Ye heavenly powers, ah, spare me one!' she cried. Ah, spare me one!" the vocal hills replied. In vain she begs, the fates her suit deny, in her embrace she sees her daughter die. The queen of all her family bereft, without husband, son, or daughter left, grew stupid at the shock. The passing air made no impression on her stiffening hair. The blood forsook her face, amidst the flood poured from her cheeks, quite fixed her eyeballs stood. Her tongue, her palate both obdurate grew, her curdled veins no longer motion knew. The use of neck and arms and feet was gone, and even her bowels hardened into stone. A marble statue now the queen appears, but from the marble steel. The silent tears! end of section five